Welcome to the Big Idea Big Moves podcast. Thanks again to all the listeners so far who have uh, who have subscribed. If you haven't subscribed yet, make sure you do that. We've had some really great guests and we've really been overwhelmed and, and really grateful for the feedback and support we've had so far. Um, really fantastic. Uh, and and um, we really uh, hope to, to continue to bring this quality of uh, uh, of guests onto our show. Um, we do talk to leaders around the world who are taking big ideas and making big moves with them, whether they're through changes in their niche, uh, their professions, um, or the way we view things across the world. Um, we've loved talking to these people, and uh, we really want to, if, if you have listened to one of the uh, the individuals that we've spoken to and you really like it, make sure you leave a review, make sure you leave a comment for that individual and for us as well. Um, that really goes a long way. Um, also, uh, you'll be able to visit our website as well, which is uh, www.bigideabigmoves.com. And, and that will give you a little more information about each of those individuals as we've went along as well. Um, one other announcement we have just before we go in today is that um, in order to help you make your kind of big idea and craft it and and what big moves you're going to make uh, is that we have uh, developed a 2020 planner guide that we're going to be releasing as well and, and doing that free. So um, so if you go onto that website, uh, after you see this, we'll be able to uh, uh, have that available for you as well. So again, uh, really excited to have uh, um, the guest that we have today and, and today a really special guest. Um, we have Kirsten Stewart today and Kirsten is the best-selling author of Our Turn, um, and that was a bit of a chronicle of, of her journey in business up to that time uh, and a real call to action. So um, we're going to talk a little bit about that, but she uh, has an incredible background. She is a media executive. She was formerly the head of the Canadian Broadcasting Corporation. She was a VP of media at Twitter and was uh, charged with uh, um, basically launching Twitter Canada. Um, she was the chief revenue officer at Tribal Scale. She has some really great background. And now as one of those kind of most influential business people out there, um, she's the head of shaping the future of media at the World Economic Forum. Um, and so all to say, she's a, a really big kind of mover in the space and, and we're lucky to have her today. So again, Kirsten, uh, welcome to the podcast. We really appreciate it. Thank you. Looking forward to it. All right. Um, so, you know, tons of things for us to talk about today, but one I, I thought we could kind of start with uh, your current role because uh, it's a little bit different, but it also has a real world scale. And I'm wondering if you could kind of talk to us a little bit about what you're doing there and what some of the kind of key drivers are at, uh, uh, at that committee. Sure. And, and and thank you for, you know, connecting with me here all the way in Geneva. It's yeah. nice that we can have these conversations, even though we're so far apart. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So I'm here in Geneva at the World Economic Forum, where I am running what's called the media division of the World Economic Forum. So people mostly know the forum for Davos. You've heard about the big meeting that mm -hmm. happens every year uh, in at Davos at the, in, in the ski hills. Uh, where we bring together leaders of business, leaders of government, policymakers, all come for a, a four-day session. Uh, and, and really, the, 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 the purpose behind the forum is to make the world a better place. And so we kick off with that meeting in Davos at the top of the year with those leaders. And then we also engage other people and other levels of other business or government or policymakers throughout the year to kind of work on projects that, that we think can really address some of these symptomatic problems and where we can we can make things better. 
So uh, when I say I'm responsible for the media sector, that's because the forum divides up the economies of the world. So you can imagine there's oil and gas and banking and finance, and I'm media, so the business of media. So those companies that are you know, big major companies that are in, in the influential space of media where they are creating content or they're distributing content, whether they're platforms like Facebook or Google, or whether they're um, uh, actual uh, public publications like New York Times, Washington Post, uh, agencies like WPP, Dentsu, like these are all, we have about 30 different members who work together on projects to look at making the world a better place through media, through the, through the business of what it is we do in terms of creating content. So that's what I'm doing right now. Very cool. And, and is it, um, is it a more challenging time to do that? There's, uh, because obviously that uh, those different things that you talked about in media and the different um, changes that have happened in that, and maybe some of the political focus on media has, has that been more or less difficult in the last little while? Well, I think it's, you know, it's definitely more challenging, but yeah. I think there's also an open window of opportunity. I think, you know, we've, we've seen a lot of disruption. And the one thing that the forum stands for is it recognized very early on that it's, we're in what's called, you know, the fourth industrial revolution. That's something that the Professor Schwab, who founded the forum and who is still our leader at, you know, after all these years, we're celebrating our 50th anniversary actually coming up uh, next Davos. And, you know, this idea of the fourth industrial revolution, which is in another way of saying digital disruption and what has happened in digital disruption to those different economies and what 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 that means. When you look at the media sector in particular, like there, I think one could argue that we were the first sector to go through that major digital disruption. So in terms of the the effect on it as an industry, it's been quite disruptive. So the question is, how do we get through this? How do we get to the other side of what's, what is this revolution and how does it become stronger? How do we make sure there's some, some kind of stability in this media ecosystem so that it isn't vulnerable to things like fake news and, and ad fraud and all these right. things that are happening because of digital disruption? Like those are symptoms, not the actual disease. What, what, what is the actual problem? What, what has happened through digital disruption for these things to, to, to be made more vulnerable and, and get affected by that. So that's a lot to take on. Yeah. But at the same time, you know, we have the disruptors like Facebook and Google who, you know, I think they're also feeling their own vulnerabilities given that there's questions around their viabilities, questions around, you know, taxation. Should we be breaking up these big companies? Uh, you know, they're, they're, they were once disruptors, but they're going to get disrupted by those in the East when you think about TikTok and ByteDance and Tencent yeah. and all these things that are happening. So I think, you know, yes, it's a challenging time, but this is absolutely necessary. And this could be maybe the best time to have these conversations. Yeah, because there is so much movement, it actually creates the need to be able to have the conversation and maybe a lot more engagement, I would, I would assume. Yeah. Um, and, and you did mention that I think a lot of people um, think of the World Economic Forum and, and understand kind of the, the kind of banking and finance side of that. Um, but it is interesting how I, I think the, the part you're talking about has, has probably elevated um, in the last little while because it has become such a hot topic. Like, do you find there's, there's a lot more focus on it than, than might have been in the past? Yeah, yeah. You know, I think in the past, the forum addressed media like a lot of people do, where they don't necessarily think of it as the business that it is. Yep. And it is, a, it is quite a, you know, it is a large business. And now that we've seen, you know, social media came on, and I think people treated that as, as you know, something that was unusual. And yes, it might be 
it might be disruptive, but it's only really disruptive to kids. Or I think there's a big underestimation of the impact and effect of these platforms and what they are going to have, not just on the media space, but how they are going to affect everything from now that Facebook's into banking, you know, Google has just announced too that they're in, that they're going to go into that space. You know, it, these are huge businesses. So I think in the past, you know, not dissimilar to other parts of the world, you know, they, the forum didn't necessarily think of media as being that kind of space that would be so very influential. Now it is. And so I think there's an understanding that we have to pay proper attention to it. And, and you know, given that so much has happened so quickly, how do we kind of rein in in terms of the, the, the kind of runaway nature of the way that the expansion has happened? How do we make sure that it's proper expansion? How do we make sure that it's viable and it's sustainable so that we do it for good. And so that has a good effect on society, not necessarily the kind of effect that we've been seeing. Yeah. I, I mean, really interesting because of the size of these organizations now, I mean, there's been, if you look at the banking kind of sector, there's been regulation built over time. And here you're going from, you know, a, a relatively kind of small niche, not that long ago in the broad, you know, look of things. And, and now they're they're as large and sometimes more influential influential than some of those things without the regulation base that that banking absolutely. Um, yeah. You know what? I, I think maybe that moves us into that next kind of um, consideration. Was talking a bit about um, about your book, Kirsten, um, and and uh, I, I know our turn when when you um, launched it at the time. A lot of it was that. Um, or a lot of people saw it as that next step from uh, from that kind of lean in conversation that had happened before. It was a bit of a different focus. Can can you talk to us a little bit about how um, what you saw as that being that next step at the time, and and uh, it, was it a disagreement with kind of that that initial kind of lean in conversation, or was it something that just kind of was an evolution? Yeah, I think I think you're right in terms of the you know, my reaction to lean in mm -hmm. and lean in, you know, did a lot of good in the world. Like there was a nice opportunity to have a call to action and a recognition that women and people who look different than those that were leaders in the past could actually have a real positive impact and, and a real positive business impact uh, out there in the world. And I think lean in kind of was a call to action that had been missing yeah. uh, and brought some good attention to the, 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 the subject. But at the same time in reading the book, and I think a lot of my friends felt the same way, it didn't really speak to us in terms of how we would approach the problem. Uh, and in a lot of ways, lean in, you know, kind of put the blame on the women themselves. There was this sense that, uh, you, you know, if you would just lean in, things would get better. And for those of us who've been leaning in for a very long time <laughs> and not necessarily finding progression, yeah. Uh, I think I said at one point you could lean in so far you'll fall on your face. <laughs> um, you know, it's it's it it was not necessarily reflecting the experience that we were all having. And and yeah. I think that, that story needed to be told. So when I wrote our turn, it was more a what are the practical ways that we're now seeing? Like what are the things that we miss when we talk about gender diversity and how how much we are affected by the the kind of systematic problems that are out there. Uh, and maybe with these changes that are happening, again, this disruption that's happening, maybe we're disrupting enough that we actually have a chance to get ahead. You know, that's, and that was our turn. Maybe this is our turn. Yeah. And, and, uh, you know, a lot of things have, have happened in the last couple of years. And, um, I, I would, I would argue that some are very good and other things that maybe kind of haven't helped that. And, and maybe I'll, I'll ask you know, knowing what you know now between when you wrote the book and, and if you were to, if you were to ask, 
um, you know, if you were asked to do kind of an update now and and on progress, um, what would your answer be there? Yeah, I think you know, I, I, there was a little bit of optimism, maybe over optimism, in when I wrote it, because yeah. you know, I think we were all hoping that there was certainly enough proof out there. You know, we'd done all the people had done enough research. There had been enough proof point, proof points to say that if you were to recognize that diversity is important not just for ticking a box, but it actually helps your business because there's enough evidence out there that having diverse leadership means that you know, you're actually going to do better in business. You kind of feel like those arguments have been had over and over again. At yeah. this point, certainly things are going to move ahead. Things change quickly. And when you get, particularly in tech, where I think it was new space and it was pioneering and there weren't the kind of rules that were set down uh, for generations that had been in other industries, you know, there's a sense of a, free playing field and that we'd have this new opportunity to kind of rebuild things. So do it right this time. Yeah. The problem is it doesn't happen when, um, all these, you know, tech companies that were once independent and came maybe for different reasons came about when they start appeasing wall street and they have, you know, kind of this short term perspective on what success looks like. They, they get scared and they turn back to the business models of the past. And then you end up very much as we've been seeing, you know, they follow along the 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 old kind of rules. Yeah. So the, the 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 opening was there. Um, I think it closed pretty quickly, <laughs> but I also think that we have an opportunity to fix that, uh, and uh, that's that's what we, we hope to see next. Yeah, and and uh, it's interesting. Part of the the work we do often, um, I do kind of human resources consulting, and is, is oftentimes organizations are looking at trying to um, trying to impact the situation. Um, but if you look at how organizations have looked at boards and things like that, it's been kind of very much kind of pushing, pushing a number. And I'm wondering what your, what your thoughts are around that is, is, you know, does it make sense to kind of, you know, uh, force a ratio and some would make the argument that it is, um, is, you know, what, what do you think would kind of, would be the right way to move that forward? Um, you know, knowing that there is some of that. Um, bias kind of built into the system and uh, and it defaults back when there's any pressure on an organization I think um, I think you're right I think the question of um, ratios or or quotas has been something that um, people even like myself get yeah. afraid of because you don't want to be the one that's checking off the box you don't want to be hired because you're appeasing some kind of um, preconceived, you know, quota around what, who should be representing. You want to be there because you're going to contribute and you're going to earn it. And and quotas only work to, again, to the sense of filling out your diversity ratios. It yeah. doesn't necessarily mean that the system is solved in a way that once you're in the system, uh, you have the support to actually thrive and contribute in a way that is truly diverse. So uh, quotas are interesting for, like, to me, getting the kind of, breakdown of, of, of who's hired from what segment, but it's not necessarily reflecting how you actually do business. Uh, and it doesn't mean that you're going to in any way have that impact increase because once you get into the system, what we're seeing more and more is that that's when, unfortunately, people from diverse backgrounds or women particularly don't thrive because the system is still the same as it was. So quotas are interesting. They solve a pipeline issue, but they don't solve the systematic issue of ongoing support and really changing your business. I think ultimately, I think it's a, it has to be more of a concerted effort where you look at compensating 
you know, your boards, compensating your senior leadership into how diverse they've been acting, like not just in terms of filling the, the seats, but how, how do they, how, how does action happen within the business and what are the contributions of the people that are in it and what are they doing to support the integration and the diversity and the actual, uh, you know, the, the, the input of what those people do. I think it has to be that deep in order to make a real impact. Yeah, and they're probably uh, from a business impact. There's a, a short term, um, a short term jump to be able to come back to whether it's shareholders or leadership to say we've made a change. But you you do see in a lot of these organizations that within a pretty short period of time, um, the retention or the success of those individuals almost feeds back into that argument. See, we told you because um, you haven't set up the support system. The the interaction is still the same if you go into um, certain industries in particular where, you know, it it has been, they haven't changed how they've kind of some more supported those individuals over time. It's it's probably turned the opposite and, and they've had, you know, retention issues or they've had other things where it just uh, um, hasn't gone beyond that first number. Yeah, exactly. What is the role of kind of men in helping kind of move this forward? And um, I'd love your thoughts on it, Kirsten, because... Um, uh, you know, some would say that it's to be an advocate. A lot of organizations have really kind of pushed that idea. Other things is, uh, um, you know, making sure they educate themselves on uh, unconscious biases and making sure that, you know, systems are looked at to, to make those changes. What, what would you say if, if you've got kind of men out there that want to be able to help move that forward and, and do it in a more sustainable way? What, what would you suggest? Well, I think the one thing that's changed since my book has been the um, the Me Too movement. Mm -hmm. um, and the Me Too movement was absolutely necessary and it's obviously not over and there's so much work still to be done. The one thing, the one kind of side casualty to the Me Too movement, um, and it's not because of the movement, but it's unfortunately because of the reaction of, of some men to it, um, is that there has been this pulling back of support of men. Yeah. Uh, in a in a kind of again systematic way, so where men could be mentors, where men would, you know, include women in on social activities, um, because you need to be in those rooms, you need to be in those groups, you need to forge those alliances um, out 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 of work as well as in work. Um, this Me Too put a chill for some people on that. You know, there were surveys that said that men were increasingly not wanting to take on women uh, mentees, that they would feel uncomfortable being alone with them at lunch and dinner. And, and I, you know, it goes back to if you're not a bad guy, you shouldn't be afraid of those things. So you kind of worry about the, what their perspectives are when they're, when they're feeling that way. Yeah. Um, and I think that all I can do is, is kind of appeal to those that don't feel that way that actually do have the um, capacity to, um, to, to, to sit down with a woman and, and have a constructive conversation that doesn't lead to anything uh, inappropriate or uncomfortable that please do it. Like it's, I think the more, uh, that we communicate, the more that we let our, each other into each other's worlds, um, it can only be better. And because of this chill, I think there's been a backwards motion, if anything, around how much women get um, a seat at the table because that, you know, they're increasingly, some of the men around that table are afraid of what it means to them in this Me Too world, but they shouldn't be. Uh, if they're, if they know, if they're, you know, if they're basic human beings, <laughs> treating others like basic human beings, then it should be okay. So um, I, I, the only way to make up for that gap, I think, and the people who have had a bad reaction to Me Too is is really ramp up those that have a good reaction, who, who, who are 
don't don't think that's going to be an issue. Please, you know, bring women to the table. Yeah. And, uh, and just keep that going. And I think that's sometimes a very basic because again, it, it's a matter of not necessarily the hiring of the pipeline as what do you do when you get them there? Absolutely. And if you're not giving them access to the same mentorship, it's not going to be helpful for them there. It's still in a world where men are still in largely in charge because they're the ones who hold those positions. Yeah. If women can't be sitting next to them and learning from them and, and, and contributing their own, um, talents, then it's not going to help. Now, Kirsten, one thing is you, um, when you came up through kind of the, um, the career path you did, and, and I think that's part of what you're kind of chronicling in, in your book, um, what do you say to, um, so there, there might be that kind of next generation of, uh, of women who are kind of reading that and, and saying, okay, I don't connect with that in the same way because you did kind of, you were able to um, move up and, and thrive through a system that was um, probably even more different at the time and, and really what kind of prompted that whole lean-in idea as well. Uh, how, would, um, uh, how would you kind of address that where people say that maybe kind of your path in getting there wouldn't look the same as my path and, and uh, how, would you, how would you address that with maybe a, a younger female? Yeah. Well, I think it actually, it never really was. Like, I think there never was one size fits all. I think my path and the whole point of our turn was never to say I did it. This is why I think people had a reaction to lean in because it was really a prescription around what she did and do what I did and therefore you'll get there. And we all know that every situation is different and every person is different. You can't, there is no prescription. And I think the only thing I try to do through the book and what I keep encouraging people to do is to find their own path. Um, you can't define your success by other people's journey and you're, you can't plan what that journey looks like by following someone else's map. And I don't think there is a map anyway. I don't think any one of us um, got to where we are because of some necessarily five-year plan. In fact, that's why I always say that, you know, if you, if you depend on a five-year plan, you're, you know, it's the and God laughed will happen because, um, you know, best laid plans end up getting messed up by circumstances. So I think you have to instead be resilient and be capable of, of doing good work, um, no matter what situation you're in, in terms of kind of, you know, these are troubling times in a lot of places. We're not necessarily in a, in a booming environment, um, for a lot of industries. Yep. Uh, so to make yourself relevant and useful and, and valuable is the most important thing currently. And, and that will still, um, get you somewhere. Uh, if then on top of it, you're doing all that and you feel like your talent is wasted, then it's time to take your talent somewhere else. And I think, um, I think, you know, the next generation coming in behind us, I think understands that better than we ever did. Yeah. And so we could actually learn from that um, instead of lessons for me to give them. I think they can teach us a few things about, you know, self, self-awareness and self-confidence and, and self-value. They've got to, they understand their value, I think, better than we ever did. Um, so I think, you know, rather than um, try to give advice to the next generation, I think I would let them be who they are and say to them, you know, there is actually nothing that I could say to you that will teach you anything more than you already know, other than the fact that you should be, you should actually be looking to yourself and looking to that um, to, to guide yourself because there is no path. There is no silver bullet. There is no secret recipe. (laughs) Um, It is what you build for yourself. Just have faith in yourself and keep your head up, look around. um, And, you know, if, if something doesn't feel right, move. Yeah. Well, and you know, I, I, um, uh, 
Before we wrap up, you are kind of one of those people who really understands what's happening in the startup space as well. Um, and uh, I know you're in Geneva, but I, I really wanted to hear kind of your thoughts on um, the Toronto startup community because there's been so much happening here in the last little while. And I know that you were very involved in it. I just thought I'd kind of throw out there, you know, what are your what are your thoughts on uh, on how that's kind of moved ahead in in the last few years from from what you understand, Kirsten? Well, I love watching and I love cheering it on. Yeah. Um, you know, I still it's 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 been amazing how. Uh, I think Toronto has always punched way above its weight when it comes to a lot of things in terms of our talent and our skill set. Tech is one of them for sure. Yeah. Uh, and it's nice being out here in the international space and seeing how many Canadians are, you know, that I bump up against. Like it's, it's, yeah, it's not, it might be Toronto as a focus, but certainly Toronto has gone international. And my husband currently with a role on the, on the West coast, helping Canadian businesses establish themselves out of LA and Arizona yeah. and Nevada. Like that's, we're seeing it from both ends. So it's kind of nice to see that, uh, you know, Toronto and Canada have really taken hold of, um, of, of certain talent and, and really shining, but not just keeping it to themselves in our borders. They're really, you know, exporting that. And that's fantastic. Uh, and I like to see it, and I just hope that there is continued um, support for it. You know, there's there's challenges. We've just gone through another election. Um, you know, the idea of what innovation means today keeps changing, um, but it is growing um, leaps and bounds. And I think if it's careful not to fall into some of the some of the pitfalls of some of the other cities that uh, thought they had it made in terms of tech. And thought they had a lock on it, um, and they've they've lost their grip. You know, this is a this is this is an opportunity for to, for to build uh, and to build something local and Canadian. I don't mean local as in not international. I mean just keep it keep the headquarters in Canada. Yeah, for a change yeah. would be nice. Yeah, so. that absolutely is okay. Um, and and we'll we'll wrap it up by um, kind of doing what we we always do with our guests. Kirsten is. Um, uh, we always ask a couple of actionable items. And so I'll, I'll say um, uh, we had an awesome conversation about some of the things that we can do to be able to uh, um, start to change the, the representation of, of women in businesses and uh, especially in technology. If there were one or two things that, um, that uh, a listener could kind of take away, whether they're a leader or whether they're somebody wanting to be a leader in an organization, um, what would you be, say would be a couple of really important things to be able to go out and, and just uh, start doing or start advocating for? I think, um, you know, beyond kind of making sure there's a seat at the table, I think it's, you know, we're, we're living in a world right now that, had, that is going through so, so much disruption. Um, that I think, you know, you can be scared of that disruption or you can look for the spaces where you fit in because maybe the thing about disruption is, you know, there's like, what's that famous saying, Leonard Cohen, there's a, there's a break in the, in the, in the, in the sky. Um, that's where the sun gets in. Like it, there's, there, there is through all of this, I think opportunity unlike ever before. So I think it's to keep, you know, it's, it's hard today. People, um, you know, you look at the news and it's, there's a lot of negativity you look at social media, there's even more negativity. Um, I think it's hard to main, keep your head up when all of that is happening around you. But there, I think there is opportunity within kind of all the madness. And um, I think what we can do for each other is to look out for each other and to, you know, when we see opportunities, if they're not for us, to give a hand up and let somebody else take it and, and support them in their change. Um, because I think, you know, we're gone past the point of, 
businesses looking at business, you know, the business councils of, uh, of all the CEOs just came out just recently with a, with a kind of manifesto. And we also have the same at the forum, which is about your stakeholder leadership. It's, you know, we're no longer looking just at bottom lines every quarter. We're now looking at what's our impact as a business uh, on the rest of the world. And I think as individuals, we can start looking at our impact um, on the rest of the world as well. And, and when there's so much kind of negativity around you, just be that positive person, be that positive piece that, that others can depend on. Like that. Okay. Well, again, thank you very much for uh, taking the time to uh, to spend with us, Kirsten. I know uh, the other thing is is, uh, is is it's a different time there. So I th- I thank you very much for being. Yeah, it's able getting to dark here. You can tell. Well, I was just going to say it's getting close to the end of the day. It's early in the day here. So thank you so much for uh, for spending time with us today. It's been. Uh, uh, it's been awesome, and and to anybody out there who um, hasn't already kind of looked into uh, uh, Kirsten's stuff, do that. Um, pick up her book. It's at bookstores everywhere. It's it's our turn, and you'll see that. Yeah, out our there. turn. Random House is still publishing it. It's uh, there's new hardcover and paperback now. I think. So I think great. so. I d- I did see the paperback out there right now. So um, yeah, and, yes. and any other place, um, Kirsten, that you'd. Uh, I mean, I know you're on LinkedIn. You're a few other places too. If. I'm on Twitter, obviously, with my yes, background. I guess that's so. true, right? That's right. Okay. So feel free to, yeah, feel free to exchange. Again, it's, it's you know, this is a, we, we love, I love living in the connected world. So um, awesome. thank you for all that. Okay. And, and again, thanks for listening. If you haven't subscribed yet, hit the subscribe button and uh, we'll have other guests um, of this quality over the next little while. And uh, um, we will see everybody again on Big Idea, Big Moves. 